Amen. Good afternoon. You can be seated. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Everybody staying warm? What's this with the fasting and then it gets cold? I mean, in the cold, we're supposed to be packing it on, right? Anybody having a hard time with the fast? Thank you. Thank you for your honesty. It was Wednesday night at dinner, and we've cut out all sugar, all of our carbs. We've gone clean eating in our house. And man, it was Wednesday. At five, we eat dinner at 5 o'clock. And at 5.30, I caught myself dozing at the dinner table. And I was like, man, how much junk have I been eating, you know? And so I just encourage you, as my wife did me, press on. Yeah. Whatever you committed to fast, uh, I'll see it through to the end. For some of us, um, it, it, gets, it gets difficult in this end of this first week because we're, our flesh is craving those things that we're used to. A pastor was talking about social media. Uh, that's a tough one for some of us to put the phone down. Turn to your neighbor and say, put the phone down. And so I just encourage you, uh, let's finish strong. I, I want to highly encourage you to come at the, to the prayer times. In the morning at 6 a.m., there's a bunch of rowdy people praying in the morning. Upstairs in our cafe, and then at noon during your lunch break, if you can, come and join us. And then Friday nights also. We had a great time this Friday night. I mean, there was babies walking around. My three-year-old son was walking around. Pastor Tom put the mic down, and my son said, I'm ready to preach. Let's go. And uh, so I, I pray that you would... Uh, challenge your family to come and gather together. Amen. I want to say thank you to Pastor. Thank you for letting me do this. Uh, thank you for making a way for all generations here. Uh, you've, you've been such an example uh, to, to many people around the world of having a church that's not only uh, multi-generational, but multi-ethnical. Is that the word? I, guess I just made it up. It's a word now. And uh, the fact that we can come together young and older and from different places in worship. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for setting this up for, for future generations. It's awesome. Amen. Amen. Last, last time we were together, which was just a few weeks ago, third service is your normal time. I came with an inspirational message and I challenged you to make this be your year of climbing. And I shared with you the little short story of the quitter, the camper, and the climber. And I challenged you to, to go for it this year. Let's, let's take what belongs to us. Let's be like Joshua and Caleb where we point to these things that, that God has promised us. And then we declare, this is our year. This is our mountain. This is our promise. And so I want to continue to, to base this year off of that principle that there's, there's mountains and territories for you to take in your life. And it's up to you. And, and last week, I, or two weeks ago, I, I fired you up. This morning, I want to be very practical. I didn't come with an inspirational message, although I pray that you're inspired today. I pray that you're inspired anytime you hear the Word of God. But I want to make things, things very simple this morning. I'm from Alabama, so for, for us, we have to make things real easy, you know. I was telling one group one time that if you take your Alabama high school certificate and you place it in the dashboard of your car, you can park in the handicapped place anywhere you want in the United States. <laughs> That goes for you if you're from Arkansas, too. I think you guys get the same privileges. But sometimes for us, it needs to be so simple. And I love starting the year off with simple practices. You know, sometimes we can come up with these grand ideas and dreams that we want to do in a specific year, but then we have the great dream, but what we don't do is we don't break it down into bite-sized goals. And so I wrote down a few of my dreams or spiritual resolutions for this year, and I want to share them with you today. Is that okay? And so here's a few of my, I have 
multiple resolutions, spiritual ones, mental ones. I want to read a bunch. I want to learn. But here's some spiritual ones that I am declaring over my life, and I challenge you to declare these over your life. In 2018, I want to know more about God than I did last year. I want to know more about Him. There's so much to know about Him. And I want to make sure that in this year that I know more about Him than I did in the past year. In 2018, I want to know more about me than I did last year. I want to be more self-aware. I want to be more uh, 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 conscious of who I am and what God wants to do in me as a person. In 2018, I want to be more focused. Everybody say focused. I want to be more focused on God's plan for my life than my plan for my life. Man, that's good. Some of us have great plans for our life, and we could talk about our plans, but when someone asks you, what's God's plan for your life this year, it's, wow, that's a good question. 2018, I want to know more about God's plan for my life. In 2018, I want to accomplish and do more than I did for God last year. I want to be available to him more. I want to be ready, listening for what he wants to do in this season of my life more than I did last year. And the last spiritual resolution is in 2018, I want to do everything, everybody say everything, that God has for me to do in this year. I believe that God gives us things to do in specific moments, things he gives us assignments to do in specific seasons. And then I believe highly that there is a call on your life for your entire life, and it's the focus of what God wants you to do in the capacity of how many years you're here. And so I began to ask God as I was journaling these things at the end of last year and the first week of January, I began to ask him, well, I want to know more about you. I want to know more about me. I want to get focused. I want to accomplish and do everything. How am I going to do that? And his answer was the same. To know more about God... I'm going to have to spend more time with God. You can't get to know somebody without spending time with them. Well, God, how am I going to know more about me? That's my resolution. He said it's the same answer. You're going to have to spend more time with me. To find out who we are and who God created us to be, we have to spend more time with Him, our Creator. Well, God, how am I going to be more focused on your plans? He said the same thing. You're going to have to spend more time with me. If you're going to get focused and accomplish more in 2018 like I am, it means you're going to have to set aside more time to be with God than you did last year. You guys awake today? Listen to me. This is our year. This is our year to take mountains and declare what belongs to us. It's our year to take a step up. It's our year to take a step forward. But the only way that we can do those things is by spending more time with God our Father, with God our Creator, with God our Friend. And so today I want to talk to you about how to spend an hour with God. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. If you're not taking notes, turn to your neighbor and say, give me something to write with. Listen, I want to talk about how do we spend an hour with God? Now I can see some of you, your your eyes are kind of fluttering like an hour a month. No, I'm talking about an hour a day. Turn to your neighbor and say, ouch. Ouch. Listen, when you have to spend an hour with God every day, it's important that you schedule it. I'm a firm believer that most people don't spend time with God to the level they want to because it's not on their schedule, because it's not at the top of their priority. 
I want to challenge you this year. If you're going to go to another level with God and, and, and have these same desires, it's going to take a prioritization of your time. So here's how we're going to do it. A one hour may seem like a lot to a lot of people. What would I do for an hour with God, Josh? I wouldn't even know where to begin. I'm glad you asked. I'm going to give it to you in 15-minute increments today. Someone once said, you know, how do you eat an elephant? Thank you. One bite at a time. How do I spend an hour with God? How about this? 15 minutes at a time. Here we go. You ready? 15 minutes with God. The first 15 minutes with God is reading God's Word. Everybody say, read the Word. Statistics say that 8 out of 10 households own a Bible... But only two out of 10 people read the Bible in a systematic approach. They said that actually the average household has three Bibles in their house. So how is it that we have a generation and generations coming up that know nothing about God? I think it's very simple. Number one, they don't have a translation that they can understand. They don't understand the book that their grandmother or their great-grandmother gave for them. You remember the Bible they gave you at your uh, at your uh, at the baptism? You know, the little white Bible. Y'all, anybody ever get one of those? You know, you you can't read that when you got baptized. You can't even read for most of us. And then you look at it when you're a teenager and you don't understand it because probably as as if it's like my church, it was a King James version. These and thou's doest and don'test. It's weird language. It's not how we talk. For 15 years, I was a student pastor, and, and I was starting to get frustrated in the, the later years of student ministry because kids weren't bringing their Bibles. And I would ask them, how many of you spent time with God this week? And I would ask them one-on-one during quiet, you know, when we were having counseling time, and then we were at a way at events. I'd say, how many of you read your Bible this week? And few hands would go up, and I'm like, what in the world's going on? And so when I began to ask the students, why don't you read the Word? It was like, well, I, I, don't, yeah, I don't really get it. I don't really understand it. You know, that's not just true for teenagers. That's true for adults. That's true for every generation. I would say the number one reason that people don't open the book and read the Word is because they have a translation that speaks a different language and they're used to talking. Can I give you a, a, a little freebie right here? Get you a translation you get. That you understand that when you read it, you can comprehend it, that you don't have to have four other books to tell you what it says. A few years ago, I, I was telling you about the students. I got frustrated, and so I went on search for a Bible that I could challenge the students to read, and I came across a paraphrase of the Bible. It's called the Message Translation by a guy named Eugene Peterson. You should write it down. You should have a Message Translation. It's the Bible in, in modern vernacular. It's, it's so easy to read that you'll find yourself where you once struggled to open the book for five minutes, you'll find yourself reading chapter after chapter after chapter because why? All of a sudden, now it makes sense. We get it. Get a Bible that you can read. I, I was saying this too. Get a plan that you can follow. The first reason that people don't read the Word is they don't understand it. The second reason people don't read the Word of God on a daily basis is they don't know where to start. Everybody got a phone? On your phone, there's a free app. It's called the YouVersion app. Y-O-U, like yours. It's YouVersion. And there's hundreds of translations that you can read on there. 
But the reason I love the YouVersion app is because there's tons of Bible reading plans on there. One of my favorite ones is called New Through 30. And it's the New Testament in 30 days. And so you sign up to, to receive the notifications and every day it'll say, here's the scriptures you need to read today to continue in your plan to complete the New Testament in 30 days. I remember the first time I read the New Testament in 30 days, I felt like a genius. You know, you start going around talking to people, you ever read the Bible? I read the whole New Testament. In 30 days, you kind of get some swagger about you. You know, the truth is, is we're not reading for bragging rights. I love reading books. I have a massive library. And for a long time, I found myself reading books just so I could say that I read it. Hey, you ever read Lynchpin by Seth Godin? It's a great book. Well, what'd you get out of it? Um, it was a great book. <laughs> I made a bunch of notes in it. I know, but what did you get out of it? Listen, the Word of God is not a book that we read for accomplishment's sake. It's a book that we read as a daily nourishment or a meal to us to sustain us in this life that we're living. Listen, life is crazy. Maybe just my life's crazy. Is your life crazy? I need the Word of God every day, as, as the Bible says, to be a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm 119, 105 says, it will cast light on the dark areas in your life. By just taking 15 minutes a day and reading the translation that you understand and reading in a continuous, habitual effort, guess what? You'll find yourself where you used to be in the dark on certain things. Things are cleared up. Answers are coming. Questions that you used to ask. It's like, man, God must have known I was going to read this today. Guess what? He did. He did. And when you get serious about reading the Word of God, the truth is you'll get a greater picture of who God is. My friend Anthony Maglio was here a few weeks ago from California, and he's studying up at, up at Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, and he came over, he's just all fired up, and he's talking about all the things he's learning, and one of the great things that he's taken away as of right now is he said, I see God in a different way now. I said, what do you mean? He's still God. He said, I know, but he said, I now see him as my father. Well, how'd that happen? I got around a bunch of people that saw him as their father. And then I went to the word and I found out that's who he is. He's my Abba father. He's, he's my daddy. Some of us didn't have good dads. You need to get in the word and find out God's a good God. Can I tell you something? These songs we sing up here, they're not just songs we sing because we found them on the internet and they're great songs. Some people think that, man, I wonder how they pick those songs. I wonder if it's just they got like a top 100 list and they just pick randomly. No, no, no. We pick songs strategically so you'll get a good picture of who God is in your life. He's a good God. And the truth is, the only way you can find out that God's a good God is to get in the Word and find it out for yourself. Turn to your neighbor and say, that's good preaching. Listen, when you begin to read God's Word every single day, you set yourself up for success. When you read God's Word on a daily basis, you fill your heart with His promises so there's rest, less room for sin. When you read God's Word for 15 minutes every day, your path becomes clear and you find that your steps are ordered. There's too many people wandering through life. That old statement, you know, all of us, I'm a hiker, we use this statement, you know, all who wander are not lost. That's a true statement, but they still don't know where they're going. 
Whenever you're wandering, it means because you don't have a clear trajectory on where you want to end up. Psalms 119, 105 says, uh, 119, 111 says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Joshua 1, 8 says, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate therein day and night, listen, so that you may observe to do according to all that's written in there. For then, for when? After you've meditated on the word, after you've meditated on it day and night, for then you shall make your way prosperous. I want to be prosperous. I said, I want to be prosperous. I want to be prosperous in my body, in my relationships, in my mind, in my, in my finances. I want to be prosperous in every area. How do I do that? By meditating day and night, and then you shall have good success. Let me challenge you in this. Take 15 minutes a day and read God's word for yourself. Set a 30-day goal that every morning when you have your coffee, you're going to turn off the CNN or the Fox News or the junk that you normally do. Listen, take that time, open your book, and say, God, speak to me today. I want to start my day with illumination. I don't want to make a mistake today. I want to be exactly where you want me to be. Guess what? 15 minutes a day in God's word, it'll radically change your life. For some of us, we're looking for the next thing on how to get out of this last hole we dug ourselves into. 15 minutes in God's Word is the shovel you need to start digging yourself out of that thing. The second 15 minutes is speaking God's Word out loud. Again, we're taking one hour with God and we're breaking it down into 15-minute segments. And I'll just stop right here and say this. You don't have to do all 15 minutes back to back to back to back. For some of us, our life or even our ADD minds can't sit still for an hour. Ask me how I know. But I tell you this, if you'll synchronize your life and insert 15 minutes here and 15 minutes there and 15 minutes here and 15 minutes there, you'll get an hour a day with God and you'll find yourself fulfilling the dreams that he's placed in your heart. The second one is speaking God's word out loud. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, Guess what? You are, thank you, David, you're saved. How do we get saved? By believing something. Well, how do I know I believe it? Oh, I said it. It's the same way with every other thing that we're believing for in our life. We believe it by reading it in his word, but we activate it by speaking it out of our mouth. There's more, the more you say something, the more you believe it. So if you want to believe what you're reading, how do you do that? You begin to speak it. Romans 10, 17 is a, one of my top 10 scriptures probably. It says, so then faith comes by hearing. Everybody say hearing. hearing. How do you hear something? You have to say it first. So if we're going to hear something, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. We go back to reading the word of God. And now in this 15 minutes, we're going to take what we read and we're going to speak it out loud so that our ears hear it. And when our ears hear the word of God spoken, faith comes. Faith comes. Well, it might come. No, no, no. It's automatic. When God's word is spoken out loud, faith is tangible. It's able to be received. And when you speak it, all of a sudden, man, you take that and it activates it. Oh, you're one of those guys, one of those name it and claim it guys. Yeah, that's who God was. He named the stars. He spoke into existence everything that you see around us. 
People think that God created Adam with his hands and dug him out of the dirt. The Bible says he spoke into the dust and man was created. Listen, we, the Bible, man, I'm getting way ahead of myself. The Bible says that, that God framed the worlds, these galaxies, these planets with his mouth. And because we're made in the image and likeness of God, guess what? That's exactly how we're going to bring things into existence in our lives, in our families, in our jobs, in our neighborhoods, in our church, in our nation. It's going to happen by the word of God being declared out of our mouth. The woman with the issue of blood in Mark chapter 5, the Bible says that she heard Jesus was coming and she kept saying over and over, if I could just get to Jesus, I will be made whole. If you've never read that story, I challenge you today to mark it down because it's a powerful story of a woman hearing God, hearing that Jesus was around, her faith was alive then, she heard it, and then she began to speak what she heard. Man, if I could just get down there to where Jesus is, I could get the miracle I need. If I could just get out of this house and get to where Jesus is, I'll get to the miracle that I need. For 12 years, spent every nickel she had gone to every counselor, talked to all of her friends, wore everybody else around her out to where she was done. Something inside of her heard Jesus was coming and she began to speak it. And she began to speak it and say it and say it and say it. The Bible says that finally she found herself at the feet of Jesus. I don't believe that she walked there without faith. I believe that her words carried her to Jesus. Now, not nothing weird. She didn't hover out of her house. But I believe it was her speaking it enough that caused her to stand up and put her clothes on and walk down the hallway and open that door and walk out in the crowd that she was not supposed to be in and got her miracle. Let me ask you this. What miracle do you need? I've got miracles in my life that I'm believing for, that I'm holding on to because I found those promises in God's word. What miracle do you need? Let me say it to you this way. If you're not speaking over that miracle, it's not coming your way. I like what old Robert said. Miracles are passing you by every day. It's our obligation as believers to say, oh, I'll take that one. I'll take that one. Oh, I need that one. I'll take that one. But all of a sudden, man, you've got miracles all over your life. You say, how'd you get those many miracles? How'd you get that stuff to happen? I called it in. I spoke to it. This is the year. That we speak to what belongs to us. This is the year that we activate our faith by releasing words to change our life. I'll give you a couple examples because sometimes people make this very difficult on themselves. And I'll show you how simple it is. And it goes back to first grade where we learned about cards. Flashcards. Y'all remember flashcards? We got flashcards for our three-year-old right now. We're, we're doing little words with him. And this is the simplest way to begin to speak God's word is to find scriptures during your reading time and write them down. And then you put them in your pocket. And during the day, you pull those cards out and you begin to speak the word over your life on your lunch break, on your drive home, on your commute to work. After you, get, you know, after you get out of the shower, before you go to bed, first thing when you get up, you can read, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. 1 John 4, 4. You can read this one. I am God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. 
He has good works ordained for me. Guess what? That's Ephesians 2.10. In all things, I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me. Well, I don't feel like a conqueror. I know, but I'm going to speak it until I believe it. One of the confessions I say every day is, a greater is he that lives in me than he that lives in this world. I'm 10 times bigger on the inside than I am on the outside. I have world overcoming faith on the inside of me. How do I do that? I wrote them down on cards just to make it idiot proof. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. I'm filled with the knowledge of the Lord's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And that's a good one. I am born of God and I have world overcoming faith residing on the inside of me. Because Christ was crucified, sin no longer has a hold on me. In Christ, I have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. Listen, when you get serious about confessing the word, not only will you carry these in your pocket, you'll post them all over your house. First place we have them when you walk in the back door of our house where I put my wallet and take off my watch and hang my keys. There's colored note cards stuck all over those things. On our refrigerator, she's shaking her head because she's been to my house. There's magnets all over the refrigerator with scriptures. When you go up to Hunter's room, my three-year-old's room, they're stuck on the back of his door. And on the bulletin board in his room, scriptures that we speak over our boy. 15 minutes a day speaking the word of God. My brother calls them weapons of mass destruction. He's got a great book. This is another book that I use, uh, Joey's book. It's called Say What? And in the back of this book, he's got these confessions. So what I do, I just pull the book out and read them. I just read them. I'm confident in the fact that he that began a good work in me will continue to perform it until he returns. How are you just, you know, one of those positive guys? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I am. Oh, the power of positive thinking, yes, it works. And then I speak it and it happens. Listen, you want to go up in God? You want to get to know God? Say what God says. I like what R.W. Shambach said. He said, if God said it, he'll do it. And if you say it, he'll bring it to pass. He's waiting for somebody to hold his word up to him and say, hey, hey, you promised me health and long life. Hey, you promised me all my needs would be met according to your riches and glory. Hey, you promised me that all of my kids would live a successful Christian life. Speaking the word of God changes us. I want to give you a few more. Is this okay? Here's something that I love. These are ones that I read. They're in my bathroom. I'm fully forgiven and free from all shame and condemnation. I act in audacious faith to change the world in my generation. Man, that's a good one. I want to make my mark this year in my generation. So I say it. I have no fear or anxiety. I trust in the Lord with all my heart. I'm able to fulfill the calling God has placed on my life. For some of us, the dream is bigger than our mind can understand. So by saying that one every day, you'll realize, yeah, the dream's bigger than you because it's going to require God working with you. I mean, I'm getting fired up just reading them. I'm fully resourced to do everything God's called me to do. I have no insecurity because I see myself the way that God sees me. I'm a faithful spouse and a godly parent. Our family is blessed. I'm completely whole, physically, mentally, emotionally. I'm increasing in influence and favor for the kingdom of God. I'm enabled to walk in the sacrificial love of Jesus Christ. I have the wisdom of the Lord concerning every decision that I make. And I'm protected from all harm and evil in Jesus' name. 
My dad used to tell us as kids growing up, he said, whatever you say is headed your way. You want to find out why you are where you are? You're a product of your words. You want a great job? Start speaking to that job. I'm favored on this job. But what makes you better than about us? Nothing except that God lives in me. I challenge you, and as you start speaking over your finances, it'll come in ways that you could have never imagined. A few weeks ago, almost two months ago now, I started getting a letter. I must share some of my personal. I started getting the letters in the mail saying, hey, you should refi your house. I'm like, I just bought my house. It's six months old. Why do I need to refi now? I called my mortgage broker. I said, what's going on? I'm getting all these letters about refiing my house. She said, well, you made six payments on time. And so now they trust you. They want to give you a lower interest rate. And I was like, sweet, what's that mean? She, means, she said, it means you can pay less money every month. I said, that sounds like God to me. <laughs> she said, I'll call you in two weeks and I'll let you know what's going on. And so she called me two weeks later. And I, again, I, I'm from Alabama. I don't know what's going on. It's my first house. I don't know anything. She said, Mr. Roberts, she said, I, I've got you a much lower interest rate. But what's much lower? It was two full points lower. She said, listen, and, and because we locked the loan at this rate, there's actually going to be some rebate money for you. I said, well, what kind of money are we talking about? <laughs> she said, sir, she said, I just want you to know that with the rebate money, we can't give it directly to you, but we can apply it towards your house payments. I said, that sounds like God to me. She said, sir, I just want you to know that, that your November mortgage payment your December mortgage payment will both be paid based on you taking this new rate. I said, hold on a second, hold on a second. Let me think here, hold on. You want me to pay less every month and they're going to pay me two mortgage payments to pay them less every month? She said, yes, sir. I said, that doesn't make any sense. She said, I know. <laughs> that sounds like God. You know what? I was pumped. We're talking thousands and thousands of dollars. It just showed up out of nowhere. Well, how'd that happen for you? Well, I, I speak over my finances every day. I speak over my mortgage every day. Hey, this thing's paid in full. God gave me this house. He's going to pay for it. You know what? A few weeks ago, it was two weeks ago, I, I get a check in the mail. And it's, you know, Josh Roberts, and it's got our loan company that gave us our loan. I'm thinking, oh, man, something went wrong. She didn't tell me the truth. And inside it is a check for, for $3,500. That's what I said, woo. So I took a picture of the check and I sent it to this lady, my mortgage broker. I said, I don't know what this means. I said, I think I, I, someone made a mistake. I thought I was just getting these house payments covered. And I she said, well, you know, you know, you had the money in escrow from, from the first house for your title and your insurance and all your stuff. She said, you didn't need all that on the first escrow. And we've created a new escrow account with your new loan. So they're just going to give you all that back. That's what I said. I said, wow. <laughs> She's a believer. I said, this is God working on my behalf. Listen, there's money that God has for you that you don't even know belongs to you. And when you begin to speak God's word, it starts showing up everywhere. I'm telling you right now, open your mouth this year and let God bring stuff to you that you couldn't even bring yourself. Man, I'm excited this morning. Number three, let's keep moving. 
The third 15 minutes. The first 15 is reading God's word. The second 15, we're going to declare and speak God's word. And the third way that we spend an hour with God in this 15 minutes is we get quiet and listen for God's voice. Turn to your neighbor and say, shut up. Turn to your another neighbor. Turn to your other neighbor and say, you talk too much. First Kings 19, 11 through 14 out of the message, it says, Then Elijah was told, Go and stand on the mountain at attention before God, and God will pass by. And a hurricane wind ripped through the mountains and shattered the rocks before God. But God wasn't found in the wind. And then after the wind, there was a great earthquake, but God wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but... God wasn't in the fire. And after the fire, a gentle and quiet whisper. And when the, Elijah heard the quiet voice, he muffled his face with his great cloak and went to the mouth of the cave and he stood there. And the voice asked him, Elijah, tell me what you're doing here. For most of us, we live in a busy world. How many of you got kids? How many got more than one kid? I'll pray for you. I got one right now, and the Lord's like, you should have another. And I'm like, we should talk. <laughs> it's, it's pretty rowdy right now. And you have jobs. We have friends. We have obligations. We live in a, a world where this is constantly buzzing in our pockets. You ever reach down thinking it's buzzing and it ain't buzzing? You're like, oh, man, somebody texted me. Nope, no text. And then you put it back, and five minutes later, you get that phantom vibration in your rear end. You're like, whoa, that's nothing. Are you guys like me where you pull this thing in and out like 50 times a day? Because notifications are being sent to you. I just recently went through all my apps. I turned all that stuff off. I don't want to be notified. I want to check it on my timing. Listen, people like my stuff on Instagram. That's great, but I don't want to interrupt you in my prayer time. Some of us are so distracted because we don't know how to be quiet. We were with a pastor, a friend, of, a friend of this church a few months ago. Me and pastor had lunch with him, and he said he was getting ready to go away. I think it was for five days to a, a, a monk, a, what you, a monastery to just get quiet. And I said, oh, man, what's that like? He said, I don't know. I ain't been yet. He said, I just thought it might be a good exercise for me to go and be quiet. I said, dude, I don't, I don't know that I could do that. I'm serious. Pastor Tom's laughing. He knows I like to talk. You know, you, you get around me and we'll talk for an hour. Pastor Tom usually walks away from conversations like this. <laughs> Do you know what? That's the society we live in where we're bombarded by noises all the time. How many of you could use a day with some silence? Maybe you could use a week. I mean, anybody go for a month? Man, I just like turn it all off for a month. She say, yes, right here. Listen, if we expect to hear God's voice, he's not going to compete with the other noise in your life. Well, if God wanted to speak to me, he'd send an earthquake. No, he ain't an earthquake. If he wanted my attention, man, he'd call on the fire. Listen, he ain't in the fire. He'd be in the wind. He ain't in the wind. Where was God? He was in the simple, quiet voice, that still, small voice. You know why God speaks to us in whispers? Because He wants us close to Him. 
I'm reading Mark Batterson's new book. I love uh, Pastor Mark Batterson. And his new book is called Whisper. And he said he used to play a game with his kids where he'd say something to them across the room and they couldn't hear him. So they'd say, what? And he'd say, come over here. And he'd whisper it even closer. And they'd say, I can't hear you. And he'd say, to the point where they got close up, they'd grab him and he'd kiss him and he'd hug him. And he said, what if that's what God's trying to do to us? What if he's talking so quietly just because he wants you to get closer to him so he can grab you and love on you and tell you how awesome you are? Listen, I don't believe that people have to stay depressed and, and, and anxious all the time when you come into an encounter with the great I am, with the, the God of the universe. When you allow him to come close enough to you, he'll be the best therapist you could ever talk, ever have time with, because he'll whisper in your ear, hey, you're, you're my creation. I'm well pleased with you. Keep moving. Don't give up. Don't quit. It's all going to work out. I've already planned it. I've already set it in motion. All you got to do is stay the course. It's important that in these 15 minutes, when we're quiet with God, that you're not talking. Most people's prayer language or their prayer time, well, I prayed for four hours. Well, what did God say to you? We didn't say that much. That's what's weird. Well, did you talk for the whole four hours or did he talk? No, I, I pretty much out of the list, you know. Listen, conversation with God is two-way. You speak and then let him speak. If you're going to pray and declare God's word over your life for 15 minutes, let's give God equal time to speak his word to you. The fourth way that we spend 15 minutes with God is we write what we hear and see. Habakkuk 2.2 says, and then God answered, write this. Write what? Write what you see. Write it out in big block letters so that it can be read on the run. The vision message is a witness pointing to what's coming. It aches for the coming. It can hardly wait. It doesn't lie. And if it seems slow in the coming, wait longer. It's on its way. It will come right on time. Start with reading God's Word for 15 minutes a day. I encourage you to do it in the morning. Set your day off right. The second 15 minutes is we're going to speak and declare God's Word. The best time for me is in the shower or in my car on my way to work where I declare God's Word. The third 15 minutes is getting quiet. That usually happens to me before I go to bed. Or sometimes on the way home from work, I don't listen to the radio, I don't listen to podcasts, I just turn the phone down, and I take the 15 minutes home and say, Lord, whatever you want to say to me, speak to me. I'm listening, man. That's what Samuel was told to do when he was misconfusing Eli's voice with the voice of God. Eli said, it's not me calling you, boy. The next time you hear that voice say, God, it's your servant, speak, I'm ready to listen. What if God is trying to talk to you, but you're not quiet enough to hear him? Writing what God says is just important as hearing it. If you've gone to school for any length of time, they encourage you to take notes in class. And the more that we write things down, the more that we remember those things. When we write God's word down, we have a reminder of what he spoke to us in a season and a time. I'm a big fan of journaling. And guys, let me just tell you something. Journaling's not just for women. Oh, my wife's a great journaler. What about you? What's the last thing God spoke to you? 
Did you write it down? I have a good friend in my life when I was 16 years old. I began to feel God speaking to me some things. He said, you should write it down. I'm like, what for? I don't need to write it down. And he said, if you think it, you should ink it. It's a great principle to live by. You ever had a, a thought in the middle of the night? Great idea. Oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is what I've been waiting for. I needed this answer. And you realize, yeah, I'm just going to go to sleep. I'll remember it in the morning. And then you wake up in the morning, you're brushing your teeth, and you're like, dude, come on, I should have wrote that down. That was a genius idea. I would have made millions. Anybody? Just me. Listen, when we write things down, it gives us the ability to go back and look over those things, pray them out, speak them out. Me and my wife believe in, in the, the power of a dry erase marker. Everybody's got mirrors in your bathroom. And we spend a lot of time in front of our mirrors because we all really worried about what our Instagram pictures are going to look like. Y'all laughing. I see y'all out there in the foyer taking 20 pictures. Come on, let's get a picture. One more, one more. Hold on, my eyes are closed. Hold on, this is my bed. Let me get on this side. We spend a lot of time in front of the mirror because we like ourselves. So why not take a dry erase marker and, and write the vision that God has for you on the mirror that you spend so much time in front of so that every morning and every evening before you go to bed, the vision is staring you back in the face. I challenge our young people. I love seeing all of our young adults here, man. This is my favorite service by far because most of the young adults come to this service. Y'all like to sleep in. I challenged him last year, get a dry erase marker and begin to write out those things that God speaks to you in your quiet time. I want to extend that challenge to you during the fast. Go get a dry erase marker and write on your mirrors, write on the glass surfaces, write on your windows in your house. Make it look like you're weird. Do when people walk in your bathroom like, what in the world's going on in here? Oh, this is God's vision. This is the best place for it because I need to see it every day. For some of us, it's important. We have two vision boards in our house. I have one in my basement, and my wife has one in, in above her dresser. And the vision board is pictures and clippings of things that we want to do in our life. If you don't have a vision for your life, you're really not going anywhere. I want to challenge you this year. Read the Word. Speak the Word. Listen for His voice and write down what He says. I want to know God more. I want to know more about me. I want to accomplish more, and I want to do it in this season. And I'm doing this. I'm, I'm practicing what I preach. I'm endeavoring to spend an hour with God every day. Have I made every day? No. There's times where things get busy, and it's just craziness. I, I, we're, we're human. But my heart is to take that time this year and the years moving forward to increase this time. Maybe you're brand new at this. This should be very simple in 15-minute increments. Again, don't try to sit down and do it all. Get an accountability partner. Ask your wife, ask your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend. Ask your kids to, to challenge you in this 15-minute challenge. I'll tell you this, man. God will wreck your life in a good way. I said he'll wreck your life because your plans will begin to not be so important. All of a sudden, his plans become priority. Do you believe that? Yeah. Amen. Bow your heads with me today. I don't want to close before giving... You an opportunity, maybe you're here today and this is kind of crazy talk to you <laughs> because you've never thought about spending a few minutes with the Lord, let alone an hour. You may not own a Bible, 
I'll give you a free one. Go to the YouVersion app. Tell them Josh sent you. It's free. Get you a translation you can read. Some of you say, man, it'd be hard to make a commitment for an hour because you don't know God, because you've never accepted Jesus Christ into your life. Maybe instead of starting with an hour, you'd be willing to start with just one moment. And that moment could be right now. The Bible that I'm talking about reading tells the story of a good God who loves us so much that he gave his son as a sacrifice to pay for our sins. And that son was buried, died a a gruesome death, and he was buried. And on the third day after being buried, he, he rose from the dead. God raised him from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit so that me and you could live a victorious life in this season. His plan for you is good. Your future's bright in Christ. If you've never had a moment with God where you received him and asked him to lead you and to be Lord over your life and help you make your decisions, help you lead your family, help you fulfill your desires and dreams, before I ask you to commit for an hour, I just ask you to commit to one moment right now and accept Christ into your life. Super simple. All you got to do is call out and say, God, I, I want that. I want that resurrection lifestyle. I want what you did in your son. I want that in my life. It's a free gift. If you're here today and you say, man, I want to have that moment right now. I, nothing weird's going to happen. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or go into some dark room. I'm just asking right now, you raise your hand. Say, God, that's me. All over this auditorium, if that's you, you say, man, pray for me. Yes, sir, I see you. Raise your hand with me and let's pray together. See it. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Got you. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. In the back, I see you. Yes, ma'am. I got you. Say, pray for me. Yes, yes. Yes, I see you. Take a moment right now. You say, well, I wouldn't know if I'm supposed to do this. Is your heart beating out of your chest? That's God tugging on, on your heart saying, let me in. Start with a moment and move on to the 15 minutes. But right now, anybody else, you'd say, man, pray for me. Yes, sir, I see you, little buddy. Anybody else, you'd say, include me in that prayer, Pastor. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I see you, buddy. Yes, sir. Let's do this together, would you? Maybe you've said this prayer. Maybe you grew up in church. Let's just pray this together. Dozens of hands went up saying, man, I want to do that. I want to make that decision. Let's, let's join in this moment together. And let's say this out loud. Say, Father God. I believe that you sent your son to die for me today in front of my friends, in front of my family. I make a change from my ways to your ways. Jesus, be the Lord over my life. Today, I make a commitment to serve you moving forward. In Jesus' name, amen.